Hey, hey, hey! We hope you're hungry and ready for some sliders on this full count pitch. It's episode 32 of Off the Tape Podcast. This is your host, Spencer Ash Jones. Joining as well for this episode is our co-host, The Fan. How's it going, bud? I'm doing well. You know, I'm excited for these sliders we're going to be serving up for uh, to our serving up or pitching to our... Uh, our uh, audience here tonight and like you said it's our 3-2 episode our full count episode episode 32 uh you know we're kind of getting into those numbers now where when we name our uh, player a lot of people have you know seen that we're naming goalies and i don't think that's going to change today um i uh i'll start off with my number 32 for this episode uh some guy some he's a goaltender currently with the carolina panthers now he's not wearing number 32 for them he's wearing number 60 sorry (laughs) What? It was so funny. <laughs> the Carolina Panthers. Son of a gun. Did I say that? Yes. You know what's the worst part? Is I'm literally looking at the standings of the of the fucking division right now, of the Central, and I see Carolina and Florida at the top. And my brain my brain just could, cannot handle things right now. I mean, let's be honest. I, I think we did about five intros of you cutting off before we even started this episode. So I I, lo- I am allowed to make a live error. I don't know. That's error. not recorded or documented in history there. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, okay. He's a keeper. So, yes, the, the Florida the Hurricanes. Florida, oh, my God. The Florida Hurricanes. The, <laughs> the Florida Panthers. Uh, Chris Drieger. Now... He wore number 32 for the Ottawa Senators, and that's what I'm going to go with. He's currently outshining Bobrovsky in Florida uh, for the Florida Panthers, uh, just to be 100% uh, sure here for all our listeners. Florida Panthers. Jeez, Florida Panthers. i got to be like Bart Simpson and write it up on the board in the intro of the episode thir- like 50 times on the chalkboard. But yeah, Chris Drieger, he's doing amazing. He's got a 6-1-1 record. You know, save percentage is outshining Bobrovsky right now, so I just had to give him a shout-out on a, you know, one of the best teams in the NHL right now. How about you, Spencer? Who is your number 32? Maybe he plays for the Chicago Lightning or the Tampa Bay fucking Blackhawks. I don't know. I'm looking at all these central teams, and now I'm getting confused. (laughs) Uh, My 32, a little bit more of a veteran. Coming in from Milford, Connecticut, two-time Vesna nominee, William Jennings trophy winner, Silver medalist with USA at the 2010 Winter Olympic Games, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and one-time Conn Smythe winner, winning the Stanley Cup in 2012 and 2014. Coming at you is Jonathan Quick, baby. Nice. That, uh, I mean, I would say he's one of the, well, he's a top three, four, top four, maybe five keeper in the last 10, 15 years in the NHL. I mean, that's one hell of a resume, winning two cups. Uh... Yeah, I don't think that that's probably definitely a better pick than mine. <laughs> well, it's a uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jonathan Quick he he holds the NHL record for best save per- <clears throat> excuse me best save percentage in, in a playoff run back in 2012 when the guy went with only where he went with 16 wins and only four losses. He yeah. only gave up, I believe. Yeah, I think it was. Oh crap! I have to fact check myself here. But, yeah, I think he only gave up, like, 49 goals in, like, 20 games. No, sorry, twenty. he gave up 29 goals in 20 games. Yeah, that makes more sense. That it is was, insane. It some, yeah, it was something stupid <laughs> like that. And he, I think he had a he – a, and within that period, like, his shutout percentage was pretty good. He had a couple of those as well, I, I think I remember. I think it was, like, maybe three or four shutouts in that run. So, 
yeah, definitely one of the most kind of dominating runs. And then, you know, in the finals, it's just unfortunate. It was just easy for him to take care of business along with L.A. And, yeah, the rest was history. Well, and we also have to see, uh, you know, a, a little bias of how Steph is here with his pick for Drieger because, unbeknownst to Steph, he and I were actually there for Chris Drieger's first ever play hockey game in the NHL, if you can remember what that game was. Oh, my God. I honestly cannot remember. Was it against the Carolina Hurricanes by any chance? Nope. You literally just mentioned the game last week's episode. Or, sorry, two episodes ago. Oh. Man, I'm struggling remembering teams' names. You think I'm going to remember <laughs> what I said two episodes ago? Jeez. My old timers well, hit me hard. Chris Drieger made his... Uh, he didn't start. He came in relief in a game uh, back when the Hamburglar was pulled for his one regulation loss. That against was, the New York Rangers. That was back in 2017, eh? 2015. 2015? Oh, okay. I'm not even... But I, I'm going to... I might have to correct you there because when I was looking at what number he wore for the Senators, it says from 2017 to 2019 he wore 32. So I'm not sure if he even wore 32 in that game. We'd have to double check that. That would be uh, kind of I'm just going off the player that you picked there. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I mean, he's not even wearing number 32 now. So I, I, at least Quick wore 32 while he was famous. Drieger wasn't even famous in Ottawa. But I, I guess I guess to kind of stay on, uh, on Chris Drieger there, it's crazy looking at the Central Division right now because there's so many good teams in playing in the, that, that division. And the top half of that division... I, I kind of decided to look at some of their records today. So Florida, Carolina, Chicago, and Tampa Bay all are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games. That's how hot each of those teams is, which means the other four are not so hot. Well, exactly. They're playing pretty hot when they're, you know, not fighting against, uh, well, you know, COVID. Um <laughs> And one another, apparently. If there was, a, I mean, they probably just one of those things in the schedule where they got lucky and they uh, they all played against different teams uh, that are that that are ranked lower than them right now. But it's crazy how good they are. And I sorry, just to jump in, I did just check, and yes, Drieger did wear number thirty-two for that game. Nice. Okay, so that's uh, incorrect on the uh, Ottawa Senators site then that I saw. Cool. <laughs> I mean, they haven't updated their team photo in over two years, so <laughs> not not the least surprising. Yeah, yeah. But, so that's kind of you know that team has been playing hot, and it's kind of cool to see uh, the Florida Panthers in the news headlines, not for lack of attendance or sucking, or not having been in the playoffs or gotten past the first round since they made the finals. All those kinds of jokes. It's kind of nice to see them in there for winning, and I think a lot of that is definitely attributed to uh, as we kind of discussed earlier before the podcast. Jonathan Huberto has been absolute dynamite. Yeah, the former third overall draft pick of the 2011 NHL draft, hailing from St. Jerome, Quebec, Saint where Jerome. you know he's only had two playoff series in his entire career, one of them being last year in the play-in series when they got absolutely dominated by the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's definitely gone along the lines here of he, he's been pissed and really upset the last two, like two, three years ago. He came out saying how pissed off he was and upset at the lack of success and the, uh, the the lack of kind of like identity of the team going forward because they're like, you know, they have a little bit of success and they're not going anywhere, you yeah. know, and he's being called out, but it's difficult for him to handle the ship well. Even when they brought in Sasha Barkov, still wasn't helping out a whole lot there. And, you know, they're, they're having their own little bit of success here and all, but not a whole bunch. 
Yeah. Uh, and whereas, you know, a couple, but then it was a couple years ago where he took it upon himself to, you know, raise his game. And he came away, you know, posting up 30 goals for the first time in his career, 62 assists as well for 92 points. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not enough to, I think he actually, I think from the, it wasn't the trade deadline. I think it was like a week or middle of February leading up to the trade deadline or to the end of the season where Hubro actually led the league in points for the last two months of the season. Yeah, it was a stretch. And like Barkov was number two. Yeah. So it's it's definitely where, yeah, you know, it's finally paying off, you know, for the 27-year-old here where he's having fun now in the Sunshine States. Yep. And, you know, again, like you say, you know, it's leading by example from him there. Of course, you know, Barkov, absolute dynamite. Uh, new acquisitions, though, as well. You know, you, you got to give a big shout out to the likes of Patrick Hornfist and Carter Verhage as well. Yep. I've mentioned before, Verhage just seems like another Jonathan Marchessault situation here. Hey. So and, two of them lighting it up, helping out, are actually tied for the team lead or leading the team in goals. Yep. So. No, for sure, it's it's one of those situations. You know, they have the highest point percentage in the league. Uh, they, you know, they win out these games. They're first, and they definitely deserve it. And. It's come off the it's come off the back of uh, some good uh, like just good overall play. It's kind of it's fun to watch hockey in Florida for a team not named Tampa Bay. So that's kind of nice to see. Uh, other than COVID, that, I mean, it's kind a little of bit more fans. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. no, no. I was gonna say yeah, unless COVID absolutely destroys them, but you know, there's nothing we. I, I mean, mean, it's, it's Florida, Florida, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can shit on Florida right away. Uh, I love it. But, uh, yeah, and then you kind of look at some of the other divisions. I mean, it's definitely going to be um, a battle in the East Division. We kind of thought that from day one. I think you and I definitely kind of maybe uh, – we definitely didn't have as much faith in the Bruins as evidently the Bruins the Bruins are proving us wrong, period. Evidently they knew how good they were regardless of their losses on the back end. And then also in the kind of the West Division – the thing about the West Division is, is there's such a variety. Some teams have played 17, a couple 13. So COVID definitely kind of gripped that division as well as the East Division. So it's kind of hard to really be able to say, you know, which teams are kind of the top teams and which teams aren't. I think the most consistent division has been the Scotia North Division. We're seeing, a, a, you know, Vancouver's played 21 games. A lot of the other teams, 17, 18, 19 games. Uh, Montreal's lagging behind a little bit, but... They're playing a couple games in the next next couple days. And, you know, if there's one thing that's consistent in the North Division, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and giving up leads in important games. Uh, and we kind of saw that earlier in the week, baby, and it was against our Ottawa Senators. First time in, uh, what, franchise history that we came back down from 5-1? It was the first, Yeah, no, it was the first time in franchise history the Sens were down four-plus goals and came back to win. Previously, the team was 0 for 240. Yes, I'm actually I, a little bit shocked though that for a team that's been around for almost 30 years, only 240 times a team has ever been down by four plus goals. That's not bad though. I I, I thought that would have been maybe hard. Like we had some really bad years there back in the beginning and in the throughout the 90s. But I think you don't you can almost expect even on like good teams like you have a one bad night where you get down four nothing quickly in a game. Yeah. But I don't know, like I don't know, I thought the number would be a little bit higher. But yeah, you know. It was, what what a turn of events that was for the game, you know. Especially yeah. you know, you're up five one, you know, few minutes left in the second period there, and all starts with a shorthanded goal, baby, from someone with two first names. Can't complain. Gets things going for you. Yeah, and then the fact that uh, we had everybody's favorite dad score the uh, the game tying goal and the winning goal was kind of a cherry on top because he um, it's 
it kind of made me smile when they said uh, Dadanov's sort of cold streak to start the season ended on a goal that he didn't even touch the puck when on that own goal earlier a couple games before that. So it's kind of... Uh, He's, he's kind of been buzzing the last couple of games. I know the last two there were rough against Toronto for our, uh, for our team, but it's kind of nice to see the Senators looking a little bit more competitive, even though they've, you know, injury bug has maybe grabbed them a little bit. But And Stutzel, oh my God, he is... Can we just talk about him for a minute? How, how freaking amazing is it when he gets the puck with a little bit of pace? Well, to go back though on Dadnov there, like, come on. You know, his nickname's Dad. Come on, you knew he was going to score that tying goal in the game winner on family day. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think after that second goal, all the Sens fans were calling him Daddy. Let's be real. <laughs> but yeah, no, and like you're saying with the Jimmy special there and Tim Stutzla, where he's uh, he definitely boasts quite the amount of talent and skill there. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of I don't know. As a Sens fan, it's it's kind of weird to see a guy with that much a young guy with that much skill on the team. It's definitely different, uh, yeah, like you, like you just said there, compared to past prospects where yeah. he boasts a different kind of skill level and talents yeah. that we haven't normally seen. He, he still has to transition oh, sure. from like a European game to the North American style because yeah. a lot of times he still gets, you know, like, he, like you're able to get away with it in a lot of European hockey where if you had the puck on your stick, you can go around a neutral zone and you know, dipsy doodle through the open space out there. But of course, North American hockey, smaller rinks, and you're not able to do that. Yeah. Um, but even, even as a, even for a little uh, going back for some of the other teams there, as you mentioned, the Boston Bruins, definitely, uh, you know, for the Boston Bruins, definitely, yeah, uh, making exceeding. us eat our own words there. Yeah, exceeding <laughs> our, the thing our is, expectations, though, yeah. But the thing is, though, uh, David Krejci, he's a, I think he's now maybe out for a little bit or a little bit of a while now. Yeah. They're getting nothing from their second-line wingers. Uh, their third-line centerman, Charlie Coyle, has been pretty much non-existent as well so far the season. Yep. So even though Boston's began pretty hot, they're actually uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they go a little bit cold now as they're a little stuck back with a few defensemen or a couple of defensemen are injured in and out of the lineup and stuff. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me they still falter a little bit here and jump in the gun a little bit too quickly. And I honestly have to say, so far the team that's actually really made me bite my tongue so far quickly or this quickly into the season, you know, jumping back to the Central Division, but has been the Chicago Blackhawks. Yep. Honestly, if it wasn't for, you know, their goaltending, because, again, you have no Taves, no Kirby Dock, you know, like those are your top two centermans there, or at least your top centerman and, you know, Doc second line player there as well. But... It you know and they like they start the season off with Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban as their goaltending. It's like all right you know these guys they're gonna they're gonna be shit. They're not gonna do anything. But out of nowhere, this Kevin Lankinen guy, you know, yeah. is almost looking like the front runner for rookie of the season potentially. Yep. But you know he's he's been dynamite a net for them, and you know the likes of Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrincat have been lighting it up, and even some of their little uh, young young lads, you know, and. Philip Kurashev and Paya Suter have been chipping in offensively from those two rookies there. So, you know, kudos to the Blackhawks there. It's a little unfortunate, though, that they have played 19 games, whereas everyone else has played around 14, 15 in the division. But, yeah, and you know, Dallas keep, 12. Dallas yeah, you 12. Know, if they can keep that pace there, you know, win a few more games and hope the other team loses and all, 
Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of uh, definitely hoping that the other teams don't stay as hot. I mean, I think the good news for them, though, is, you know, Dallas has started off a little a little hotter. I know that they're, they've only played, they played seven games less, which is a 14-point swing if they nail it, which put, puts them ahead. But Dallas hasn't been so hot in the last 10 games anyways, so... It's kind of one of those things where I wouldn't exp- if Dallas continues at the rate they're going, they're going to be behind. So ultimately, they're what? They're battling Columbus, who has the same amount of points as them, basically. You know, they're they're even. So they could potentially be battling to be in be in as one of the four teams. You're right. I mean, definitely kind of bit our tongue on that when we looked at the back end with the keepers. Didn't look good. Uh, it's also a matter of whether the keeper there, the, the rookie can keep up the pace, right? Like, is he going to be one that falters because he's not used to it as well? Well, even with Dallas there, you know, they started off really hot because of COVID and they missed the first week of the season Yeah, and they went shooting for the stars, you know, starting off on a really hot beginning there and kind of cooled off now. Uh, so you know, and definitely when you look at the West Division there, you can see St. Louis is right in the top of the division as of this recording. Yeah. As, you know, Vegas and Colorado, they started playing each other, and we'll have to wait and see when that game finishes. We'll touch up on that in a quick second. Yeah. But, uh, you know, your California teams, Anaheim, they just, Anaheim just cannot score goals this season. It is, if you're a betting man, just keep going on the under. Whatever Anaheim's, uh, you know, betting line is there, it's usually around like 2.5. Just keep betting the under. They cannot score goals. Minnesota's finally back from a bunch of COVID uh, protocol or players that were in COVID protocol. They, you know, they've had a lot of new fresh faces in lineup, but they're they're having a little bit of a struggle here and there because of all the changes and not as much consistency because of that, and not you know being able to uh, produce that on the ice as well. Yeah. San Jose, I mean, you know, what, 32% of their cap is Burns, Carlson, Vlasic. You know, how else do you spell LOL? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, LA is coming on a little bit there, and I think it's definitely going to be quite the dog finish. Not a pun for Coyotes because they're in fourth right there, but definitely going to be quite the finish for the fourth spot in that West Division. Yeah, I guess before we talk about the slush at Lake Tahoe, we should probably briefly talk about that shit show that is the arizona coyotes organization gary bettman listen to us it's been like that for the we've known for 10 15 years man we uh we uh yeah bring them back up north above the 49th parallel please <laughs> 49th fucking parallel uh quebec city you're too far <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's that has been an absolute gong show. I think to put into into sports hockeyish terms, gong show. I think is the right word there. That's kind of crazy what's been going on over there. The potential lying of owners to try to get the team, like to take over the team, and yeah, it's just a scary thing. It's just scary that that uh, it somehow wasn't vetted correctly. Well, so for those of you that are unaware, possibly out of the loop, uh, it seems that the that there's one, you know. Stop us now if you heard this before between the Arizona Coyotes having problems with ownership and money. But recently the Coyotes did uh, did have a new majority owner in Alex Marulo, where he became the you know majority owner of the organization. And right now it seems that there's potential fraudulence. Uh, if you want to correct me how to word this, Steph. But at least like yep. fraudulent... Uh, submission of applications and documents to the NHL. Yep. Um as uh, it, it's come out recently how 
So as well, if people are out of the loop and unaware, but in the last couple months, a lot of American states have now accepted and made sports gambling now legal. So a lot of people are getting in on all that fun. Yep. And it's actually in the state of Arizona where if you want to have a sports betting license, there's only two ways that you are allowed to obtaining it. One is if you are part of an Indian tribe. And second, if you are the owner of a local pro sports team. Yeah, okay. The reason why I bring that up and say is because Alex Marullo, the majority owner of the Arizona Coyotes, happens to own two casinos. So by owning the Arizona Coyotes now, he's able to provide a sports betting platform in his casinos now. Mm-hmm. But it truly does seem that his only intent for purchasing the Coyotes was because of helping out his casinos for that front there. But it does seem a little... Fishy. Fishy, yes. Uh, that's what what like the like the numbers and finances he provided are very very uh, incorrect. Yeah, they don't seem to align with what what information they provided initially, right? Like that's there there's that's where the fraudulence potentially lies, and yeah, because well, we saw that last year, right? Players were not getting their bonuses on time during the playoffs. Yep. Uh, you know, players weren't, or players that had a signing bonus did not receive them on such days that they were supposed to. Yep. No players on the team got paid per their per dime during the playoffs as well. You know, that's yep. a major no-no because both of those are in the CBA, which means like you have to do it. And the fact that the NHLPA, their union, had to get involved to make it happen speaks volumes. I mean, maybe that's the reason we saw Taylor Hall move on, go to the Pagulas, which is probably the second worst place you could go. These men's climbing the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely uh, quite interesting there, and uh, a little other stuff going on behind the scenes, and it's not only that, but it definitely seems like ownership is not the most well liked in the environment there as well, and yeah. it's never uh, a proactive atmosphere. So w- yeah. again, it's gonna be wait and see, but hey, if it makes Melanie look good in Ottawa, then you're doing a, something real bad in your territory. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. A hundred, a hundred percent. Now, I think one thing that we, we said we would quickly mention is, um, you know, the NHL has two outdoor games going. Uh, obviously, no fans. And the, 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 they made a beautiful, beautiful rink with an absolutely stunning setting uh, up in uh, Nevada in the, in the mountains there. And, you know, I think the photos of the rink and how the players were practicing out there, it's just, it, it's so cool just to see it. And, yeah, we see a little postponing, uh, a little postponement announced by the NHL there. Uh, the uh, Colorado Avalanche and the Las Vegas Knights are playing on slush right now because uh, they were these uh, Golden Knights. My dude, my my naming today. You know what? I I just want to go back to the Florida Hurricanes and the Carolina Panthers. You know, oh, rough day today. It's just a rough slow day. <laughs> But yeah, I know, as you're saying there, how uh, unfortunately, yeah. before even they got through the first period, which they barely had to scrape by on it, pun intended, ah. because of what they're playing on. Yeah, literally, you know? yeah. But it looked like, uh, you know, by the end of the first period there, that it looked like it was like a Madonna concert at MSG back in 2003, where it the ice was not solid one bit, and you're playing on a lot of slush out there. Yes, a lot of slush, <laughs> like a Madonna concert. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. and uh, so it, it kind of seems now potentially that like even so much so is that you know they said normally teams will practice day of or day like morning of game day 
where they have a little uh, ice session in the morning. While Boston and Philadelphia, because of to prevent the ice getting damaged, they actually practiced at an indoor facility this morning. Obviously, it didn't help because Vegas and Colorado barely got through the first period. And I think they're saying yeah. them, those two will have to finish the game off potentially, or actually by the time... You know, it, well, I mean, by the time this recording comes out, actually, it'll already be resolved. So, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, unless they, you know, unless it would be really funny. You know, let's let's uh, let's let's call it out right now and say that if the ice is so shite, they have to go to the practice facility and play it out indoors. I think that that would be even funnier. Like, what what are their betting odds on that one, Spencer? See if we're right on Monday. Well, I mean, it's not like that. It's a loss in the, you know fans uh, ticket sales <laughs> oh ex- yeah exactly so that's the thing the nhl is going to have to think about if if things don't happen to be better tomorrow players are good players and refs were like falling on their asses and slipping everywhere it was getting pretty terrible so yeah nhl has a decision to make in the next 12 hours yeah no that's a uh, definitely interesting times there to obviously what we will know when this episode comes out so we yeah. hope you enjoyed the games watching and saw what came of it yeah and one so uh, one thing I have a couple shoutouts I want to do on the NHL side before we talk about college hockey and junior hockey. Um, so on my end, I, I think uh, I have to give a shout out to Nico Hishire who came back today, got named the uh, New Jersey Devils captain. So kudos to him. That's great for the kid. He becomes captain in franchise history. Yeah, and he becomes the second Swiss captain in NHL history. Now joining his compatriot Roman Yossi uh, as an as a Swiss captain. So it's kind of cool to see you know diversity in the uh in in the captains of the nhl you know uh we never thought we'd see swiss players uh, be this good but we're seeing it in the nhl which is always welcome and then i think we just have to give two major shout outs uh connor mcdavid hitting 500 points uh absolutely amazing of course because you know he's kind of with this projection for him he could be a top five six player all time if he keeps going and Sidney Crosby coming up on a thousand, so kudos to Sid hitting a thousand games. Well, so here's a funny one because, well, because of course everyone was talking about how McDavid uh, achieved that feat in the exact same number of games that Crosby did, his yeah. idol growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, so it's pretty cool to see that because then of course very few next days was you know we saw Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, uh, wound up playing his one thousandth career game and becoming the first player to do it in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform for the yeah, franchise. That was crazy Because, of course, me. you know, Lemieux, uh, all of his setbacks and injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's actually a fun one that I've been looking at for actually the past couple weeks uh, for milestones. But so you have Patrick Kane coming up here. He, so as of this recording on Saturday, February 20th, he has 992 career games played, and he has 397 goals scored. Yeah. Three so away. three goals away from 400 goals and eight games away from 1,000 played. What's going to come first, people? Is he going to hit 400 before 1,000 or is he going to play 1,000? He has eight goals in 19 games right now. So he's just buffering under there, but on three goals in seven games, three goals in eight games. He's on a solid tear right now, uh, statistically-wise. So, you know, what's the uh, over-under on that maybe for what's going to be cheated first? I mean, are you are you predicting with the with the with the math there that uh, they might be happening on the same night? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Like I, I was saying, how even with McDavid, it's like, you know, because I think they even brought up saying like, oh, McDavid, he needs a three point night here against Winnipeg, and he'll get five hundred points in three hundred sixty eight games, one less than Crosby. And me, he's like, no, no, I'm sorry to tell you, 
McDavid's he's like McDavid, he'll get two points a night. Guarantee it because it's gonna line up exactly like Crosby. As Tibet would say, it's a simulation to us. It's the hockey gods who put everything yep. into in uh, you know together and tie it in like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for sure, and uh, yeah, I it's definitely a simulation if uh, Kane, because special players tend to get these special things that happen to them, you know. And Kane's been a special player all his career, so seeing uh, 400 goals in a thousand games would be something special to to behold, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens on the same night. Oh, exactly. Oh, and a shout-out to the uh, Hurricanes' uh, pretty cool Whalers reverse jerseys. I have to say, Adidas did a pretty solid job. I I think I prefer the originals to the reverse, but the reverse ones were pretty dope. That's my only other shout-out. And I think that's pretty much it for NHL news there. And, you know, we'll make the transition here. We'll call upon our relief pitcher now. Uh, You know, going into the rest of this episode, it's a little other hockey talk, and... Unfortunately, uh, the news uh, came out just uh, recently how the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, uh, was rejected by the province of Ontario from continuing on with their, or beginning their 2020-2021 hockey season. You could say, uh, you could say, because I think this was the third time that they voted on it. It seems like it's three strikes and they're out for this season at this rate. So we got to be careful about uh, if we even see any OHL hockey. It's definitely interesting, you know, when you consider the fact how, you know, the QMJHL over in Quebec and the Maritimes, they've been playing. Sure, they've had a lot of games taken back, but at least they were able to get a bunch of games in. They, pro- they obviously will not be able to finish it all. Um, but the WHL, like, come on, the dub, they've had four provinces and two states all agree to having games played, even though they're going to hub cities, which... You know, shout out there because it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's so much fun for the players living in some of those stadiums. And like, all right, Fortnite on the jumbo screen. Let's yeah. go here. <laughs> yeah. Fortnite, yeah. It's, oh, my God. We're old. But, it, you know, because uh, just for the OHL alone, it definitely sounds like for the OHL that, like, they propose having hub cities for their team. So you can imagine, you know, one team, there's only four divisions, 20 teams. So you almost, you know, I think they're, that they had hoped that, all right, you know, four cities, four hub cities there could be done. I only know that the Kitchener Rangers uh, proposed that they could likely host teams as one little bubble or hub city, hmm. but obviously with the state or sorry with the province rejecting it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know what what the OHL plans are going forward. I think they initially said that with their plans that they proposed was that they wouldn't start till early April, okay. but obviously you have to get in and around through all that there. I do kind of wonder if there's even some thought or potential for maybe some way somehow playing out in their three American teams as well, whether it's in Saginaw, Flint, or maybe even Erie, because it's outside of Ontario's decisions and plans. And, you know, you have to set up a bubble and everything like that. And then as far as I'm concerned, you know, like like Erie's middle of nowhere up in Northern Pennsylvania there. And while unfortunately Flint has no water for the boys, but Saginaw's a little bit more north and a little further away from your Detroit and your Ann Arbor and your Sarnia. It's the middle of all that time and place. But I don't think at least two of those could host at least 10 teams at a time. I think that's a bit much. That's a stretch, yeah. That's so safe. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting times there with the, the OHL. And if they are able to be able to even have a season because it just seems that 
this unfortunately the province won't work and if they actually have any other place that can actually host any games yeah it's it's looking quite uh, english today jesus steph uh it's looking uh, quite grim to be honest i and just you know as and i think i was mentioning it earlier today i mean ontario has obviously been the hardest hit it makes sense we have the highest population we have you know the biggest city and Toronto hasn't obviously done the best with COVID and that includes the whole GTA area and everything in and around it, Hamilton and all the places in and around Toronto. So it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see how it's going to work. And it just seemed like after we were getting a little bit better in some of the smaller places um, that COVID just leveled out at a pretty high, I mean, it, it seems like it's leveled here in Ottawa at orange zone for us, which is not what we, what we were hoping that we would maybe get back down into that yellow zone uh but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen in ottawa it seems like it's kind of going back up here and the variants and all these different things are kind of messing with us being able to see ohl hockey and yeah it's not looking good i agree well can you almost imagine like all right they did have like bubble systems and everything off the top of my head immediately you know it's a for at least city wise for any just simple-minded person but you got to think that a place like whether it's your like your ottawa your sudbury you know, even your Sault Ste. Marie, like Thunder Bay places. Well, like they don't have a team in OHL right now. It doesn't but, matter though. Maybe well, if they yeah, have the but, capacity. Well, exactly. And, you know, being able to even just host games there or so. And again, like you're talking about a bubble, you're talking about just five teams, There's only five teams per division. Yeah. You know, maybe you're able to get away with one, maybe even two in the American, in the States there as well. And, you know, just have to figure things out on the playoffs and all that. But you'd hope that me, Oh, actually no, cause things won't tighten up by May then. But it's definitely going to be something for the OHL to have to come across. Yep. And, uh, you know, other because we were actually just informed, though, of, uh, like, our personal junior, like, the team I'm oh. with, our, our league, we were just informed that our league will not uh, begin at all. Like, we're oh, totally damn. wiping away the season. So, all, like, all we're having is just, like, kind of, like, development games and just kind of, like, yeah, have exhibition games and, you know, prepare for next season. Oh, damn. That sucks. Yeah. You know, it is what it is and everything there. Yeah, of but uh, for the for for the for the hockey that is going on in their seasons, you know, we will go down south there to USA and yeah. a little college hockey, where you know you can't go wrong with all the frat boys playing. Yeah, and you know what? There is some unreal names that are in that are playing down in college hockey right now, which we might even see coming up to the NHL as that season finishes up and ours begins to wind down. And, uh, and when I say ours, I mean the NHLs. Cause yeah. So, so here's the thing that, uh, you know, kind of teased last week's episode, but so the thing is typically, so college hockey, it ends usually around middle of March is when the regular season ends. Uh, afterwards you then have around three to four week long playoff with, always ending in the frozen four just typically the second week in april yep and how once players end their seasons then they have the opportunity to sign with their with the team that drafted them in the nhl Mm -hmm. uh, because of course as soon as you sign a contract you are no longer permitted to attend that or you're no longer to uh, be a part of that hockey team anymore yeah so like you know like any any American hockey player and the casual few Canadian players who opted to go down there, you know, they always go through this uh, system. Yep. And so so the thing that's going to be actually real interesting here coming forward is how in a normal hockey season with the NHL, when when a player's done their season with their college hockey team, 
They typically have, like I said, anywhere from maybe a weekend to three to four weeks to play with their NHL club. Even potentially seeing the NHL club, you know, limiting their games and playing time or limiting uh, suiting up for games because once you play that 10th game with the team, then you burn their first year of their contract. If you if you're able to hold them to nine or less games, then it's kind of like a freebie. Thanks for playing nine games, but next season will actually now start as your first actual year of your contract. So you buy a year extra with them kind of on their contract and making it being able to make it slide kind of like how your typical junior players play nine games or less and then sent back down to the q o or the dub Mm -hmm. Uh, so going along with that is the interesting thing this year is how because the nhl season is now a month longer the college season is still the same and instead of having nine nine games they make a decision where once it's a tenth and you burn in the first year now I believe it's eight games, so teams only have seven games now to decide with a player. Yeah. So, for example, they got Cole Caulfield, you know, the Montreal draft pick there. At, I believe twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen, the fifteenth overall pick from the University of Wisconsin. How you know, obviously playing you know, college hockey. Uh, once his season is done. You know, he has the opportunity to sign with Montreal or he can say, no, he's going to stick around. Typically, with college hockey players, they do stick, they do go to the colleges for one to two years. Caulfield is now currently in his second year. So Montreal definitely has a lot of hype for him joining, obviously, being a 15th overall selection in the 2019 draft there. Yeah, and but, just based on Bergeron's comments, it seems like they are quite interested in having him be with the team once the once the season ends there. Oh, exactly right. Like he, like he's an absolute offensive stud. Yeah, you know, dynamite. pure sniper and all there. He leads all college players in goals with 18 goals in 23 games. Oof. You know, helps out with 35 points in 23 games. He holds a record in the American Development Program system for most career goals with, I believe, 107 in one season. So for Caulfield here, again, this is a prime example of where, as soon as the University of Wisconsin season's done. He can go sign with Montreal. He's done his college hockey career, and now he's with the Montreal Canadiens. Who's to say the Canadiens wouldn't enjoy having him for the rest of their playoffs and right into the play, and right into, or yeah, rest of the regular season and right into the postseason? Yep. But again, as soon as he hits that now eighth game, normally it would be ten, but if he plays that eighth game, boom, first year of his contract now burns. You know, all these signing bonuses again, it's not a problem for an ownership of you know a beer brewery. But, you know, for an example like that is just how, you know, if you want to hold them off, it's then like, all right, hold them off because we can keep them an extra year. It, it helps out like in eight years for a free agency, looking at the very long road part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it's, it's so that's what's always been so cool to see with some players. You know, prime example, we saw someone like uh, Kale McCarr, defenseman on the Colorado Avalanche a couple years ago like that, where playing college hockey season ended. He was able to join the Avalanche on their playoff run and immediately, immediately jumped right in. He was solid, even though they wound up losing the second round. He wound up playing 10 playoff games, burned his first year. 10th game just happened to be game seven of the playoffs as well in the yep. second round there. But it's a prime example that we, you know, us Sens fans, where, of course, we love our University of North Dakota, UND. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the names there. Yeah. You're Shane Pinto, you know, your Sanderson, and your Jacob Bernard Docker. All three of those guys where management for the Ottawa Senators have been talking about that all three could jump right onto the team at the end of their seasons here. 
So, it's scary, too, because I remember us talking about Sanderson thinking, oh, no, he's going to be one of those guys where he'll play year, this year, and then after next year it might be the best time to bring him up. But, you know, if obviously Dorian knows something we don't, then, we yeah, we could be seeing a couple of new guys get injected into the lineup and just sends be happy to, I don't know, we'll see if they're going to be happy to burn the contract or if they're going to just kind of place them in here and there as and, and have them all play six or seven games, right? So even right now, as an example of that, so the University of North Dakota, right, because, of course, with college uh, sports, that they're always ranked throughout their standings based off you know, how many goals scored, goals allowed, the teams you play against, and all those factors into where you are ranked leading into your big, you know, for basketball, it's a March Madness, which is the big postseason. Same thing in hockey, they're frozen four. Um, so right now, the University of North Dakota is ranked second overall in the nation. So pretty big for them there. Yep. But it, it definitely is going to be something very interesting to see. You know, uh, other examples, you know, we have uh, Jay O'Brien. He was the 19th overall pick in the 2018 draft by the Philadelphia Flyers. So he's taking a little bit of a longer approach because he struggled his first year with Providence. And because he wasn't enjoying it there and you request permission to transfer, you actually have to take a year off outside of college hockey. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So in order to do that, you have to go play either Junior A in Canada or USA then, or even uh, Major Junior in USA there. So he actually went out to the BCHL, the Pentington Vs. Uh, but he's at Boston University now. He's been lending it up with them. But again, another example. Hey, you know, here's a guy. As soon as Bo- uh, BU season is over, hey, Philadelphia, you want another young guy, another 21-year-old to come join your team there? Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's definitely intriguing, you know, but it's it's just cool to see, you know, whether it's your Matthew Boldy, you know, uh, drafted by the Minnesota Wild. He is currently with your Boston College there. You know, uh, even it's likely not to happen, but, you know, your goaltender Spencer Knight, yeah. formerly the dra- uh, draft pick by the Florida Panthers at 13th <laughs> overall, you know, he's with Boston College there. Yep. Uh, it's it's definitely a lot of intriguing college players coming up. You know, your Cam your Cam York, even your Alex Newhook there at the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. As long as he's healthy and he's able to keep going there. Your John Beecher, your Ryan Johnson, and as we mentioned, you know, your Bernard Docker, your Pinto, and even your Sanderson with Ottawa. So it's definitely intriguing to see if because of COVID, maybe a team will say, Hey, you know what? We're not willing to do that right now. So stick around for another season like maybe like a dylan hallway drafted by the oilers there yeah. at university of wisconsin as well so it's it's definitely gonna be very cool to see that when that starts happening in, when the college season ends in three weeks from now yep and seeing teams you know being eliminated and being like all right all attention now immediately you're like you're gonna have your manager be like all right your season's done you want to come be a millionaire with us or are you gonna want to stick around for another year in school and you know play and go to your frat parties and all yep Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely interesting, and it's going to be fun to track that the next couple – well, we'll start tracking that in a couple of weeks uh, as we get closer to that point. And actually, a quick thought on that right now that just hit me as an example for whether it's your Cole Caulfields for Montreal or, you know, the whole UND program with the Auto Sanders being their farm team, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. But is again, that's college hockey that's down in the States. If they want to go join their Canadian teams, you know – that, that actually might lean away, you know, if you say, oh, hey, you know, like, again, your UND, their second ranked, Boston College is first ranked, all because of, like, your Spencer Knight there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even your University of Wisconsin's fifth, they happen to go deep and far there. 
All right, they're done. Hey, you got to quarantine for two weeks before actually playing with us. So it actually might be a little bit of a benefactor some of the, to some of these Canadian clubs, actually. Yeah, because it does shrink the amount of games the guy plays automatically. So telling, like, I, Sanderson, I don't foresee. Sanderson, for some reason, I do foresee staying. Unless, unless Pinto, he, and, like, JBD all have a conversation and say, like, hey, let's go, let's go join them. And that's something that the team wants, like the Ottawa Senators, then, you know, maybe he wouldn't stay an extra year. But yeah, you're right. Two weeks off from uh, because you have to come up here uh, in quarantine. And then after that, I mean, let's be real. They're young guys. So the Sens would want to give them a couple practices before they get game time. And yeah, you could see a team like Ottawa definitely swing that to their advantage. And then maybe by the time they're at what game 49, they put them in. Yeah, you know, get them in there. Be like, ah, you know, they get in one to two games, maybe out for one to two games. Like, oh, look at that. Not enough games for you to hit eight games now, unfortunately, but is what it is there. Yep. Because it actually should line up with the, because the NHL traded line is April 12th this year, if I do recall correctly. I believe so. That so that should actually line up with when the, like, Frozen Four, yeah, it is. Um, but that should line up when the Frozen Four championship is held, like, that weekend prior to. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you could say, you know, a couple weeks go by and there's only a couple weeks left in the season. So definitely for your American players uh, going with your Canadian teams to, you know, maybe be able to use that as a little bit, of, not like a loophole, but a little, uh, uh, what, what should we call it? Uh, well, it's like a shortcut, not a shortcut, but I, I, I know what you're trying to say, basically. It, it's just a way to avoid uh, having to burn those, essentially burn a year. It's yeah. Uh, it, yeah, you know, it's as simple Especially as that. Especially if you're in like an auto situation where you don't want to give out bonuses to rookie contracts and you're able to do that here and save more money yep. here from an ownership perspective. Yeah, because that's what we are used to looking at here in Ottawa. So definitely look forward to, uh, you know, the end of the college hockey season over the next three, four weeks as teams try and figure out where they can finish off in the rankings and who can make it into the big Frozen Four tournaments. But... Otherwise, it's all uh, all hands on deck for them and wait and see what can come away. And outside of that, I don't think there's really much else to go about talking about, eh? Yeah, I don't think so. I uh, definitely, um, yeah, honestly, now the fact that the uh, that, that I saw a Whalers jersey on a Carolina Panther, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm all out of sorts, man. This, uh, well, yeah, this podcast needs to end here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, so we'll leave it at that, and we hope you, you know, continue to tune in, listening to these episodes. We saw a big uh, spike in our previous episode, and it's great to see for all those Valentine lovers joining on in for the Hockey Love Fest that's going on with us hosts and all that we love to bring with just all hockey talk that is all around. You know, some European leagues are going to be coming to an end in a couple weeks, so we'll probably get into a little bit of talk and get some recognition to some of the teams and prospects out there. We hope you enjoy the rest of the college hockey season coming up, and we'll wait and see what's happening with junior hockey. But of course, keep watching the NHL and watch the Leafs burn, baby burn. So have a good uh, week, and we'll catch you on the next shift.